for you, Joan? You would turn in your Bibles, please, to Hebrews chapter 10. (laughs) Hebrews 10, we'll read in verse 24, please, verse 24. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Let's pray. Lord our God, we want to commit this time to you and your glory. May our hearts be open to receive the word that you have for us today. May it be your words and your words alone that are spoken this morning. I pray that we'd be willing and open and humbled to receive whatever word you have for us today. Again, thank you for these words. They are truth, and they are life, and they are all things that reveal who you are and draw us close to you. Lord God, we want to be more like your son, and so as we study these things, may that be the aim, may that be the result of a Christ-likeness that we've never known before as we continue to be sanctified and grow in him. Lord, we commit this time to you, again, for the glory, for the glory of your name. In Jesus' name, amen. So we are considering, continuing our One Another series. Um, I'm a little parched after all that, sorry. Um, I'll move the cap off to be quicker. So, so we've been studying the One Another's. Again, I want to continue the encouragement. If you've heard it before, I appreciate your grace. If you've not heard it before, we're doing the series on the One Another's, some of the One Another's. If you've missed any of them, that's okay. I just want to encourage you to go to our website and listen to them. Stay in tune with what we're doing. And that's a part of the one another's. Be a part of the church life. That's why we're doing these one another's. So if you miss a week, maybe several weeks, go online, listen to the message, and stay in touch with what we've been doing with with what the series is because they're interconnected. They're not a bunch of little pieces. They're actually part of a puzzle. When they're put together, you've got one whole thing. And that's what we're aiming for. And so today we're looking at consider one another, which it's kind of like in and of itself, consider, consider one another, right? You can just take that and say, well, we've got to consider one another. That's a really important thing. But the whole verse is to consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. How wonderful it is when God's word gives us the reason and actually what the result's going to be if we obey it. How great is that? How comfortable it is for us. Now, the word consider in its, in its original kind of language in the Greek, means to observe fully, to behold, consider, discover, perceive. Now, I'm the kind of person, I will glance over this verse a million times, and I'll think, consider, you know, be mindful of, you know, it's kind of like hold the door open, kind of consider, you know, be, be thoughtful, just don't be self-centered, think of others. But when we really look at the depth of what's being said here, and the word that's used, it means a whole lot more. It means a whole lot more. There's going to be a result, but for that result to happen, I have to live the word by what Paul means, by the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to say, right? So consider, obviously leads into the word considerate, right? So we think, you know, be considerate, hold the door open, right? I want people to think I'm nice, so I hold the door open in case they ever see me again. They think, hey, that's a nice guy. But, you know, when you really think about it, you hold the door open for someone because they have need, right? When you help someone out, when you're considerate of what their needs are, you're aware 
that there's a need there. Even if it's a small thing like holding the door, someone's got a bunch of stuff in their hand. Maybe it's just being helpful that they don't have to deal with the door. Whatever the case may be, it's a thoughtfulness, realizing an awareness that there's a need there. That comes from the word consider. For me to consider you or whatever the need may be, I have to have a perception of what's going on. I have to realize what the need is. I have to observe. It's not a glossed over um, unawareness, just doing it for the sake of doing it. There's actually a, a depth to the awareness that causes the action, right? Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to inspire you to loving good works, but for me to do that, I have to know you. How can I create a reaction in you if I don't know you? Otherwise, my words are just words, right? What may inspire Elaine is not, may not inspire Frank. I have to know them both as individuals for me to achieve the desired result. So I have to consider the kind of person they are. I have to consider how they respond and what they react to. For me to do that, I have to have awareness. How do I develop that awareness? Well, I get to know them. I get to know them. Obviously, someone walking through a door needs to get through the door. So opening the door for them is not a big deal. But maybe I'm not aware that would be a really big help to someone I went down and got their car and brought it up for them. Well, if I'm aware of the need, then I can realize that I need to do that for them. These are very superficial uh, examples, but it's the the requirement, the requirement that I have to have to accomplish what the verse tells me will happen, which is love and good works. So there's a reason why we want to consider one another. And... uh, you know, when James spoke a couple of weeks ago, he talked about peace with one another. I'll probably bring this up again. He used the phrase, consider one another an awful lot, in his message, to my great joy when I'm speaking on it in two weeks. But that's just that's a problem to me and James. We'll work that out. But, but the reality is, it's, it's a big part of it. Because the awareness that we have of one another will bring about peace. Because I'm aware of what your, what your issues are. I'm aware of where you've been. I'm aware of where you've walked. I'm aware of what you're going through. Through. I can say a lot of things, and they might mean one thing to Elaine because she understands me. Elaine actually gets me. We've had this conversation many times. She kind of gets me, or other people don't. But I may say the exact same thing to someone else, and they go, oh my gosh, what a horrible thing to say. <laughs> right? But she knows me, and she knows where I'm coming from. So as I'm me, it gets through. But I don't get that privilege of saying it's about me. It's about the other person. There's no room in Christianity, in the body of Christ, for anyone to say, you have to adjust to me. This is the way I am. Get over it and deal with it. That is not Christ. That is not Christ. Christ is the sacrifice of oneself for others. This is for your part later. No, I'm just kidding. The, um, so, so you see what we're getting at, right? I'm not going to get the result that God wants me to of the work God wants me to do, which is to inspire or provoke, I'm going to get into that in a minute, love out of you and good works out of you if I don't know you well enough to find what reaches through to you. I don't get to walk through like a sledgehammer and say, this is it, I said it, and I get to do that as a father. I have that privilege in my house, right? But here, I don't. I don't. Because if my heart is truly attuned to God's, and wanting that result, right? We're doing these one another's. 
because we want to see a greater church life here at Brantford Bible Chapel. We're going through this series because we want, to see what's, we, want, we want to see greater relationships, deeper relationships, and the result that's going to come out of that. I'm never going to achieve that if I walk through like a bull in a china shop. I've got to be sensitive to every single individual that I talk to and deal with. That's what consider means. I've got to take the time to understand. You know, there's a couple of examples where this word is used. In, um, you know, a couple of Gospels, but in Luke 6.41, you know this very well. Jesus said, why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not perceive the plank in your own eye? That perceive is the same word. To have a full awareness. And it applies pretty well to this kind of context, right? I have no right to point at you unless I look at myself first. I need to know myself as well as I know you. I need to know how I come across. I need to know how what I think is a very simple, jovial thing actually could be an offensive thing. I have to be aware of these things. It's part of the consideration of the other person. What, how does it come across? And there's a reason why it matters. Because we want to stir one another up. This is a commandment from the Word of God. As we've said multiple times, I'm going to repeat this at the end probably if I remember. These one another's, as we said before, they're not like, hey, if it feels like it, if you're having a good day, pray for one another, bear one another's burdens if it works out for you today. These are commandments from God for us in church life. We have to do these things. You don't get to be a Christian and say that doesn't apply to me. You don't have the ability to say that. If you ignore that, if you take that attitude, you're in defiance of God. I'm going to tell you the truth right up. If you say, this doesn't apply to me, I don't have to do this, you're in defiance of God, because that's God's word. It doesn't say, if it works out for you, if you have a good day, and if it's convenient for you today, consider another person. It says, let us consider one another. It's a statement. It's a commandment. It's also used... And James, if anyone's a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. Observing. The context of the verse, right? Don't just be a hearer of the word and then walk off and forget what it says. But observe. Be fully aware. Be attuned to the depth of it. We have to. Brothers and sisters, and I include it starts here, believe me. We have to be sensitive to the words we use where we use them, when we use them, and to whom we use them. The actions we take. One person may say, yeah, go ahead, take it, I don't care. Another person may say, why are you doing that? Well, you have to be sensitive to those things because we want unity in the body. We want every single person to be stirred up to do love and good works. We kicked off the whole series with love. And love is the umbrella of all these. You know, and as my wife and I were, were talking about these, I came to this kind of illustration. All these one another's are like ten little fingers. But what happens when they do this? It's a tight bond. So they all have to be considered. They all have to be taken into the same account. And to consider one another is an important part of that. It's actually almost very similar to an umbrella-like um, one another because the other things are going to happen. If I consider you, I will pray for you, and I'll know what to pray for. Though we had a whole list of spiritual things to pray for. If I consider you, I'll know what burdens you need to bear for me to bear for you, right? Um, et cetera, et cetera. Now, I think one of the problems that we have as a human being is we use the word um, examine for others, not consider. 
But Scripture tells us in Galatians 6.4, let each one examine his own work. Right? That's to be critical of. That's to look into it and say, this is good, this is bad, this needs to be fixed. That's not what consider one another means. Consider one another means find out what the need is. Know the depth and how can you inspire this person? How can you reach this person to attain the fullness of Christ in them? I'm to examine myself. I'm to consider you. We tend to do it backwards. Right? We tend to examine one another and find the flaws and the faults and the shortcomings um, and then, heaven forbid, even talk about them with other people. Um, but really, we're told to do the opposite. We're told to examine ourselves, but consider one another. Consider one another with a purpose. Turn me to Second Corinthians chapter five, please. Here's a little spiritual inspiration on what this is. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. In a line underneath the truth and the importance of the reconciliation of, of man to God, there's reconciliation relationships that we need to be aware of. But we need to look at each other when we consider each other, right, as born-again children of God not people in the flesh. I, I do that. I, I don't look at people sometimes, especially if I'm frustrated, as a child of God who needs to grow in Christ and I need to inspire that in them. I tend to look at it as a sinful person, but they're not anymore. We're still in the flesh having our struggles and we have good days and bad days. But that's not the way to regard each other. We regard each other as new creations in Christ. Every time we deal with one another, it has to be with the eyes of Christ. This, this is a new, born-again person remade in the likeness of Christ. Have they attained it? No. And guess what? Neither have I. Right? So when I consider another person, that's the way I have to regard them. Not as a sinful person in the flesh, but as a born-again child of God, special and precious and covered in the blood of Jesus Christ. I offer this as an encouragement as a, as, a, as a maybe a catalyst to be a proper way to consider one another. Because sometimes if we get off on the wrong foot, it's hard to get back on the right foot. If we start on the right foot considering one another, I think it helps. But there's more to it. Turn to me Romans 12. Please. There's another important part in how to do this. Something that we have to have in mind about ourselves in order to properly consider one another. Verse 3. 
For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Consider each other from that mindset, because we have to. You have to start from these points when you consider one another. Relationships are not easy. That's why we have these verses. That's why we have these series. That's why we preach from the pulpit. It's not easy to be 80 people who are all very different and work together as one. If it was easy, we wouldn't need the Bible. So we have to take some actions and steps. And the first thing is to prepare our mind from the right perspective of who we are working with. We are working with born-again new creations of God, and we need to lower ourselves a little bit. Eh, let's be honest. We've got to lower ourselves a lot a bit. We have to be more humble and thinking about others more important than ourselves. Give preference to one another. Ephesians chapter 4, please. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. This doesn't happen if we don't consider one another and pur- purposefully understand one another. Different words mean different things to different people. You have to realize that. I may say something that means completely innocent and, and unoffensive to me, but to someone else it may be complete, completely offensive. I have to be aware of that sensitivity. Hopefully I know where everyone's been so I know what the triggers are and be careful what I say. It doesn't matter what I think or whether I think it's offensive or not. It's completely irrelevant. It is all about the other person. If we're in Christ. What I think doesn't matter. Well, that word doesn't mean what you think it means. Well, we could talk about that, but I can't flippantly throw it out there and think, hey, it's too bad, deal with it. I can't. That crushes the body of Christ. That causes a chasm. It hurts. Now, in the same mind, as we consider one another, we also have to have some flexibility and go, maybe they didn't mean that the way I took it. Let me ask. You know, they just said something, and this happens to the pulpit a lot, by the way. They just said something, and, wow, that was nasty. I, I, I don't know about that. Why don't you go ask and find out what they meant? Maybe you can teach them and correct them where you've been and why that's not a nice thing to say or a good thing to say, but maybe you just took it the wrong way. Maybe that person learns, that, hey, I have to be more careful where I say that kind of thing because they don't always know what I mean by it, so I better be careful what I say. But at the same time, we have to show grace in reverse. It's a two-way street relationships. It's not just about the other person. I have to have the heart and the mind that says, you know what, that didn't sound that great to me, but let me ask what they meant. At the, at the worst, they're going to find out they just said something that was offensive to me and they'll never say it again. Because I know every person in this room would never want to do that. 
I don't have to take a poll and raise hands. I can look across this room, see every person in here. There's not a person in this room who would want to say something that upsets someone else. But if they don't know what they say upsets you, they're going to repeat the error. And you're actually keeping them from growing in Christ. Right? We all are mature, but sometimes we're not aware of what other people are sensitive about. But we need to take the time to try and find out. That's church life. That's body life. Being aware of one another. Now, as I said, there's a purpose to this consider one another. We are to stir up one another, depending on your translation. I'm going to go back, go back to Hebrews. In order to stir up love and good works. Stir up. The word here actually means provoke or incite. Now, in this day and age, <laughs> we hear the words incite, <laughs> and we think, oh, great, burning cars in the street again. Here we go, right? That's, that's, that's kind of the passion that it means, but not really the result that we're looking for. Our treatment of one another has a purpose, and we all have to share in this and not be go, it doesn't apply to me, it's not my responsibility. You have the responsibility in Christ, because the Word of God says so, to fervently get me to love and to do good works. And I have the same to you, and you have towards one another. We have the responsibility to stir one another up. I'm going to uh, share an example of this. Um, has anybody, Josh, you ready back there? Just woke him up. There we go. So, um, has anybody seen the movie Remember the Titans? Has anybody not seen Remember the Titans? All right. I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you. I'm gonna tell you the story. I'm gonna show a scene from this movie. But I'm going to encourage you to watch this movie. It's, it is an inspiring movie. It's about a, uh, a town in Virginia in 1971 where they have to integrate black students into an all-white school. Can you believe in 1971 in America, there's an all-white school? Well, in Virginia, I guess maybe you could in 1971. So this movie is about the story of this integration. And the, theme of the, 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 the point of the story is the football team. Um, and I'm not going to give away too much of the plot if you want to watch it, but it's a very inspiring movie, and I really encourage you to watch it. We're going to watch a scene which comes as the football players are in summer camp getting ready for the season. This is the first time white and black players have been together. And the scene revolves around the white captain of the defense. I'm going to call him Gary because I don't want to keep saying the white kid. And the black football player's name is Julius. I'm going to call him Julius because I want to keep saying the black kid, the white kid, the black kid. So Gary tries to talk to Julius and say, man, your attitude stinks. You're not doing your job. And Julius says, your white teammates have not been blocking for my black teammates. So why should I worry about what you tell me to do, Captain? So, so there's some tension there that's building up. And, and there's, there's a lot of tension on, on the team between the different races and the players. And we're going to watch a, a scene from practice. Now, the first scene you're going to see between Gary and another player, I want you to know that this is Gary's best friend in life and on the team. Watch what happens. Josh, ready? Cut a couple lights. Cut a couple lights in. 
Actually, it is kind of my kind of music, but <laughs> not for now. But did you see what happened? Gary understood where Julius was coming from, why Julius was upset and not doing his job. And then Gary responded by doing what Julius was looking for. And that inspired Julius then to do what he was supposed to do. And it no longer became about white and black. White players, back players, you're not doing my guys. They became offense and defense, titans, they became one. So Josh, come on up. Josh can help me demonstrate this. Against his will. I'm sorry, James is not here. James would be my guy. James is not here. Ready? Love. Good work. Love. Good work. Love. Good work. Yeah! All right. See, we're inspiring each other. We're stirring. We're provoking each other to do these things. That's body life. That's body life. I really wanted to headbutt him, but we don't have the helmets on, and his head's a lot harder than mine. I've learned that the hard way. I learned that when he was five, so I'm not going to headbutt him now. But do you see there's an example there for us to think about? Don't we want everyone in the church to love, to love in a Christ-like way? We began this whole series with love as Christ has loved. But we need each other to provoke that, to incite it. And then there's good works. We want to do good works. You know what? These one another's are good works. Bearing one another's burdens. Praying for one another. Considering one another. Putting others' needs before our own. Admonishing one another. Exhorting one another. Hospitality towards one another. When we do these things to one another, then we incite love. We provoke good works. When we serve one another, Turn with me to Titus chapter 2, please. Josh, I think I hurt my hand. Um, so. This chapter in Titus gives us some examples of many things that we can do that kind of fall under some good works. I'm going to read the whole chapter, but I'm not going to read the whole thing. I want you to think about these things and how they affect uh, the church. Titus chapter 2, But as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine, that the older men be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, in love, in patience. The older women likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Likewise, exhort the young men to be sober-minded, in all things showing yourself to be a pattern of good works, in doctrine showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that one who is an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say of you. Exhort bondservants, today it will be us who work for a living, to be obedient to their own masters, to be well-pleasing in all things, not answering back, not pilfering, but showing all good fidelity, that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that, denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, 
We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. Speak these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one despise you. I can't go through the whole list now. We've already spent over half an hour in the things I'm going through. And there's over 45 minutes worth of stuff in this chapter. But you can read this and meditate on these things and say, how can I apply these things in my life? Is there a pattern of good works? Is there reverence? Is there incorruptibility? Am I just zealous for good works? Do I desire to do these things? Turn over to chapter 3, please. Verse 8, chapter 3 of Titus. This is a faithful saying, and these things I want you to affirm constantly, that those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable to men. Here's the opposite of good works. But avoid foolish disputes, genealogies, contentions, and strivings about the law, for they are unprofitable and useless. There's things to do, and there's things to avoid, but they're all good. We do these things. In verse 14, he says, And let our people also learn to maintain good works, to meet urgent needs, that they may not be unfruitful. To meet urgent needs. How important is that? There's so many things. I mean, the whole New Testament is full of good works and things we need to do. Just remember that in Ephesians chapter 2, when it talks about we are saved through faith by grace, as a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Paul then goes on to write, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. You see the importance of provoking each other to do good works. That's why we're here. Why did Jesus leave us here? and have to deal with all the things we have to deal with. Well, it's to do good works, to show the power of God, the mercy of God, and the grace of God through the things we do, to impact one another, right? What did Jesus say about love? They will know you are mine by the way you love one another. Don't be afraid to provoke one another in a loving way to do love, to do good works, to do good for others. Bring someone alongside if you're doing something good. Maybe someone needs to be trained. They never had the experience, the opportunity. They don't even know where to begin. Take them alongside. The rock in the, pe- in the, in the, in the pond, right? The ripples, spreads, goes. Good works has an effect. I want you to think about the things we say. And let's be careful in a way that considers one another, any negativity. Because that has just as much and sometimes a faster effect than good works does. Criticizing and complaining, and why don't we have this and why didn't anybody do that? That just breeds negative, negative. Let's focus on doing good things in love. Let's concentrate on stirring one another up and preventing those kinds of things. 
We need to incite love, not division in the body of Christ. First Peter writes in chapter 2, Have your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. Really, that's our purpose, isn't it? Glorify God? I mean, if I want to do anything, I want to glorify God. Whatever it is, whatever he needs me to do. All things, in every way, we want to glorify him. We can accomplish that if we push each other, we challenge each other to do these things, to do love and good works. Again, I want to remind us that these are not options. These, one another's, are not options. They are commandments of the Word of God. So let's look at one another. Let's consider one another. Let's perceive one another. Let's provoke one another. Let's incite one another to love and to do good works. If we do, the God of heaven and our Lord Jesus Christ will be glorified. Let's pray. Lord our God, we thank you again. Thank you that Jesus Christ considered us. He was willing to leave all his comforts of heaven that we might be redeemed and saved. Can we not do the same for one another? To get to know one another in a depth, in a way that helps us to understand each other so that when we speak to one another and we do things for one another, they inspire love in the body. They inspire good works. May we have the zeal that your word talks about. Those who are born again, may we have the zeal for good works because we want you to be glorified. We want anyone who walks in this place to know that Jesus Christ is Lord and in our lives. We want the world to know that Jesus Christ is in our life, that we belong to him. So Father, help us to do this. Help us to remember and to be sensitive and thoughtful and considerate, not just when we speak, but when we listen. Father, we just pray for the body here at Brentford Bible Chapel that we will continue to grow, not just individually in Christ, but as a body in Christ. Thank you for the head of this church, our Lord Jesus Christ. May he be glorified in his name. Amen. Have a wonderful week. God bless you.